Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Today we're talking with Dr. Norman McCulloch of the Hamilton Wound and Hyperbaric Center located inside the Medical Arts Building in Dalton, Georgia. Dr. McCulloch is a board-certified wound care physician. He attended medical school at Sunni Buffalo School of Medicine in Buffalo, New York. He completed his residency and internship at Winthrop University Hospital in Long Island in New York and his fellowship at Sunni Upstate Medical Center in Syracuse, New York. Thank you for joining us, Dr. McCulloch. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. You know, it's great to see you again. You were with us a month or so ago. How you been? Well, you know, thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to be back with you here. Great to have you here with us. Today, we're going to be talking about how hyperbaric oxygen therapy can help with radiation injuries. But first, let's talk about what hyperbaric oxygen therapy therapy is. What is that? Sounds good, Bobby. Well, hyperbaric oxygen therapy is a treatment in which a patient breathes 100% oxygen in a pressurized uh, chamber. The 100% oxygen lends the body to improve the healing capacity as well as increase blood flow to areas that may be devoid of it. Right. It's used for a wide variety of treatments um, and there are over uh, numerous about reported treatments that have shown benefit with hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And there are currently about maybe 14 approved FDA indications in which you can see the benefit, which are covered by insurance. Pure oxygen, very important for that. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to start with the radiation injuries. Can you tell us what a radiation injury is? What does this involve? Yes. So improved radiation therapy techniques have increased treatment precision and reduced side effects caused by radiotherapy. But the high doses of the radiation itself used to kill the cancer cells may sometimes cause long-term damage to nearby healthy cells in some patients. By helping the blood carry more oxygen to these affected areas, hyperbaric oxygen therapy has been proven beneficial for these patients. So it's threefold. It improves the oxygen delivery to that area. Mm It increases the vascular density or more blood flow so that more blood is able to carry more oxygen to that in the area. And then it also reduces the inflammation that has happened due to the exposure to radiation injury to allow for these wounds to heal. When you're in the chamber, yes. you can watch television. Correct. Yes, and, you can. And, but you got to watch television, a television that is outside of the chamber because it's it's just 100% oxygen. Absolutely. Is that cor- right? Absolutely correct. Yes. So this is a safety feature. This is a safety and safety is definitely paramount in any hyperbaric oxygen center. It even trumps the clinical indication from why I put in you in there. I tell my patients during a consult that it's mutually beneficial once we agree to that contract because when you commit to the treatment profile and protocol of undergoing five days a week for upwards up to eight weeks at a time, Mm -hmm. I'm committed to you to ensure that your safety is of my utmost importance. Dr. McCulloch, how does hyperbaric oxygen therapy work? Well, in this treatment with oxygen delivered under the increased pressure that it is, you use the high pressure and the increasing amount of oxygen to actually get it into the blood and then indirectly into the tissues. Mm -hmm. And getting oxygen into the areas that have been for 
whatever reason depleted or there's an inability to get that oxygen there, restoring that leads to increased healing. And I tell my patients, no blood, no oxygen, no healing. It's really that simple. And so when you're in this clear acrylic chamber and you're pressurized, it can feel as if uh, there's an increased pressure kind of coming around you, but that's just the nature of oxygen that's increased in an atmospheric environment pressure that's being delivered into your blood as well as indirectly into your tissues. Well, now, when you get this oxygen into your blood, yeah. is this from breathing the oxygen or does it absorb through your skin? No. Or that, both? And, and, and I've heard that question numerous times. So it's actually due to the respiratory function. When you're in the chamber, because it's actually pressurized and forced into the lungs, there's more of it available that not only gets carried in the blood, but then gets really saturated into the liquid component of the blood as well. well. Okay, great. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. But now, when I'm in that when I'm in that chamber yeah. and I'm under pressure, yeah. what does that feel like? What is the feeling that you have? Well, I tell my patients that if they've ever traveled and got on an airplane, that flight where they actually close the cabin door and begin to pressurize the cabin, you'll see some patients or um, some passengers during that flight start to clear their ears. They're either chewing gum, moving their jaws. They're essentially clearing their ears because they have started to pressurize that cabin. And that cabin is actually pressurized to about 8,000 feet. And in the chamber, it's the same feeling. When we start to increase the pressure, you'll start to feel it first in the ears. And in fact, the inability to equalize your ears is the number one side effect that most patients experience. And so we coach them and show them techniques to effectively clear their ears to make sure that they don't have any problems with compression. That's the hardest part of the treatment. Once you're able to compress and equalize, you're watching TV from there on out. Inside the chamber, you can watch television. Yes, you can. And how long are you in there when you go in? Well, each treatment lasts between 90 and 120 minutes. And that includes the time to get down to your treatment depth, the time that you spend at the treatment depth, and then the time to come up from the treatment depth. So in all... Roughly about two hours or 120 minutes. And how, now, whenever you're about to come out, yes. how long does it take before that you can get out of it? Like if, if, it's, if my time's up, how long will it be before the pressure is equalized is it, so I can get out? Good question. So there's two scenarios in which I can illustrate. One is the normal treatment time. So you're compressed at a rate, which means that I am either increasing or decreasing the pressure at a specific rate per minute. And so normally that's about two pressure equivalents per minute. So roughly, depending on how deep we take you or the doses of oxygen that you're being administered, it could take anywhere between eight to 10 minutes to get down or come on out. I got you. And uh, if you don't do that, is that kind of like when a diver has the bends? Well, the situation is when the diver gets the bends, it's usually because of one, inattention to maybe their dive profile or they came up too fast from being at a depth in which they should have taken a little bit longer. So all of that gas that has built up in their blood as well as the tissues comes out of solution um, very quickly as they ascend and come back up to the surface. 
And so the hyperbaric oxygen chamber, or what the Navy calls the recompression chamber, mm-hmm. is the same thing, is used essentially to combat, one, the effects of bubbles in the blood and tissues, as well as to increase oxygenation to those tissues that have um, been damaged or injured. Well, I've got to ask you, because that you work with this every day, do yeah. you do any diving yourself? Oh, I do do some diving. Do I, you? I, I, I don't get to do much of it here, Bobby. We're, 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 a, bit, we're a bit landlocked. But, You're a little uh, <laughs> inland here, yes. Um, but uh, yes, I have. You know, I am a recreational diver and um, Is certified. Is that how you got in? Well, let me ask you this. Did you yeah. get interested in this type of medicine because of your diving or because of this medicine you got interested in diving? Great question. It was a combination of both, actually. I became a certified diver around 2012, um, and during that time, I was completing my internal medicine residency, and I had family members who suffered from diabetes, and I saw the kind of... um, drastic and devastating effects that diabetes can have, especially when it comes to limb salvaging and losing limbs and amputation. And I got exposed to hyperbaric oxygen from that aspect, but it also um, played a key role in my diving education. So I said, this is fantastic. It combines the best of both worlds for me, both my hobbies as well as um, a a professional route. And so that sparked the interest. I pursued it from there and haven't looked back since. Well, that's fantastic. That's great. Dr. McCulloch, people who have diabetes are at risk for non-healing wounds. You mentioned that a little bit in our last in our last segment. What are non-healing wounds? Well, non-healing wounds and chronic wounds are wounds that have failed to heal or respond to conventional treatment, usually at a period of about eight weeks. And so what I usually see in my practice is a wide array of uh, chronic non-healing wounds, which can stem from what we just talked about, radiation-induced injuries. But the majority of the patients that I see are usually diabetic patients who come with lower extremity ulcers, whether on the legs or the feet. And that subset of patients also usually have vascular disease that's present as well. When I see a brand new diabetic patient um, and they have a wound that has been present for longer than eight weeks, my concern is twofold. It's one, ulcer resolution, getting this ulcer and restoring the skin integrity, and two, prevention of any loss of limb or amputation, whether that be the digit on the toes or anything more major, such as a below or above the knee amputation. That's the two goals that I mentioned to my brand new diabetic patients. We want to get the ulcer to heal as well as prevention from amputation. And so when I see them in consultation, I usually employ a very systematic approach. We talk about one, the elephant in the room, and I use these phrases with them. So I'm, I'm definitely speaking plain speak and not good, speaking good. nomenclature that most patients say, you know, doctors speak over Yeah, you're head. talking over my and head. Fact, you're not doing it. I said, the elephant in the room is your diabetes. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. If your diabetes is uncontrolled, everything else is out of order, out of whack in your body. You get the diabetes control. Those horses are out of the barn. You need to rein them back in. And if there are Mustangs wild and free over the, the land, everything else is going to suffer. So we focus on the diabetes first, and that could mean me addressing what their insulin is or referring them back to their primary care doctor. And if needed, referral to a specialty diabetes education center, which are our neighbors, by the way, in the medical arts building. So that's great because we have both our vascular partners and the diabetes education center within the same building. I would imagine that some of those doctors will send their patients to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
exactly, because you can understand that majority of the patients who have these peripheral vascular disease, not all, but sometimes diabetes is also there. So it really is one of those chronic conditions that affects morbidity of your quality of life overall. You have diabetes, which affects the small vessels and then will ultimately start to affect the large vessels. And then you have our vascular partners and patients who they may have diabetes and they're seeing their vascular doctor specifically for the blood flow issues, but then they'll refer to us to say, hey, you have this ulcer here that looks like it needs to be addressed in a comprehensive fashion. You know, I wish that uh, years ago, and when I say years ago, I, before I was did this radio thing, I was selling cars mm-hmm. and uh, I was walking across the car lot and I walked a hole in my shoe. I didn't know it because that I've got diabetes and my feet, I can't feel my feet. So I cut the bottom of one of my toes and it would not heal. And I went over and over and I was going to a podiatrist. We were trying our best to get this wound to heal and it never healed until I finally had it amputated. And so I did lose a toe. If I had known about this hyperbaric chamber Mm -hmm. at that point, that could have really helped me save that toe. Is that correct? It absolutely would have been beneficial. And if I had seen you as a patient, the first things we would have talked about were one, the diabetes. Mm -hmm. Two, I would have assessed and addressed the blood flow in your legs to ensure that you have blood to support healing. Three, I would have assessed whether or not you had an infection that could be sending you for any imaging, getting a culture of that area, or starting you on antibiotics. Four, we would have talked about offloading. And offloading is a fancy term, which means I got to get the pressure off of that. Now, we talk most wounds in a diabetic end up on the bottom of your feet. It's very hard to offload that area once you get up in the morning and your feet touch the earth's surface. Right. So there are special footwear that you can use to make sure that each time you're stepping, you're not putting increased pressure on that area and just causing repetitive trauma. And the last thing would be we have to get rid of anything that was dead or necrotic, meaning the tissue, because that would be an impediment to the wound healing. So those are the five things, and I'll repeat them again. So that's assessing the diabetes, optimizing the diabetes, and make sure we so get So you need to get it under control. You need to get it under control, absolutely. And that is Everything. a tough thing for uh, someone with diabetes, it, because in this world that we live in, it is so hard to once you get it there, to keep it there. Absolutely. And it takes not so much a one-shot fix-all. It really is a lifestyle change. So it kind of uh, hinges on why we talk about these things here, you know, on, on your show, because it really is lifestyle modification. It's not that I got my diabetes under control. Okay, well, I can go back to the past life. Right, Yeah. Sure. It really is. Once you are on that journey to committing yourself to making sure you get your diabetes under control. It's life-changing. It changes your nutrition. It changes how you look at foods. It really just changes your overall thought process and your way of life for the better. Those are some great tips. Before you go, if there's anything that you can leave our listeners with, any word of advice that you have, what would that be? Well, one is don't wait till things get worse. I stress the importance of time. So time is of utmost importance in wound care. Once you have an injury, especially if you're a diabetic, time is of concern to you. Thank you so much. For more information or an appointment at Hamilton Wound and Hyperbaric Center, call 706-272-6596 or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash wound to learn more. This program in no way seeks to diagnose or treat illness or to replace professional medical care. Please see your health care provider if you have a health problem. Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System. 